is a Woodside Church podcast. Thank you, everyone. Very nice to be here. I have to say, the last time I was um, recording a preach, I was standing in front of an iPhone um, for the online services during lockdown, and I can't tell you how nice it is not to have to worry about the postman ringing the doorbell partway through, because that is exactly what happened last time. Um, thankfully, to some good editing by Anna, it wasn't too noticeable, but still. Um, the topic I'm going to be speaking on this morning um, is entitled The Wonder of Our Compassionate God. And today I want you to take away three things. One being that compassion is an essential part of the character of God. Number two, that the compassion of God changes lives and brings life. And three, that, compassion, that God's compassion carries on through his people today. Um, for many of you here, you've probably been in a situation where you've had to share your strengths. It might have been in an interview or applying for university or just someone saying, tell me a bit about yourself. And notoriously, it's far easier to talk about our weaknesses. But um, a solution to this is sometimes to ask a friend to, tell, to speak on your behalf. What would you say my strengths are? And um, a friend of mine recently joined a dating website, and on one guy's bio that he sent her about himself, he said, my friends say I'm generous, friendly, and kind, except for George, who said I was a dribbling, poor excuse of a man. But other than George, they all think I'm a good person to know. So perhaps George is not someone to take to an interview or, you know, someone to, that you need if you're feeling a bit down on yourself. But anyway, it is helpful to ask others about ourselves. If we were to talk about God and talk about his um, strengths, there are many things we might say of him. We could say that he is eternal, all-knowing, majestic, and mighty. He's the source of all wisdom, and, and that he's all-powerful. And all that would be true. But his choice that he shares in Exodus... Sorry, apparently I have small ears, and it keeps falling off. Um, in Exodus, in the second book of the Bible, what God wants us to know first and foremost about himself is this. He says... Yahweh, which is a holy name for himself, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. God said this to a man named Moses, and Moses had a tough job on his hands. He was called and chosen by God to lead over two million people out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of the oppression of Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world at that time. And nor did the people make it easy on Moses. The people were hurting, they were moaning, they were grumbling. They had baggage. They were making regrettable choices about worshipping other gods and, and abandoning their first love of God. As I say, they'd been under this heavy rule of Pharaoh and now were out and they were lost. And Moses was in a time where he was having to lead these people. And it was a challenge and it was a struggle to him. And he needed to know God more than ever and that he was not alone. This is what Moses and God say in Exodus 33. It says, One day Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me, I know you by name and I look favor favorably on you. 
If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses. I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. So the next morning, Moses prepared two stones to take up Mount Sinai for God to write the Ten Commandments on. God tucked him in the cleft of the rock as he'd promised to pass by him, and he descended in a cloud. And then this is what God says, first and foremost, about himself, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. Moses asked to know God's ways, and that is what he said of himself. As I said before, there are many characteristics and attributes about the nature of God that he could have said first and foremost, and he could have talked about his power, and that would have been true and fair, for God is the most powerful of all beings, of all creation, not that he was created, he is just eternal, and that he, throughout all time, but sadly, in our world, the use of power can be a mark of oppression and tyranny and dominance. We see that at the moment with what's going on in Ukraine, but many other countries and throughout time that has been the result. George Orwell, the author, made famous a quote by a man called Lord Ashton in in his novel Animal Farm. He said, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. In simple English, the more power a person has, the more chance of it taking hold of in a negative way and impacting those around them negatively. Morals begin to suffer and morality is challenged by lots of power. But that is why it's so staggering that for God, who is the most powerful, sorry, I feel like I'm going to lose this, um, that he would direct all his power into his compassion and mercy, into helping those who cannot help themselves and into saving you and I. The Israelite people knew the power of God. They'd seen him part the Red Sea. They'd seen him bring them out from under the oppression of Pharaoh. They'd seen his provision of providing manna from heaven. Sorry, guys. Um, and, and this was important. They'd seen all of that, but yet he said of himself that he is the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. And we see that throughout the Old Testament. In Psalms, it talks about it. In Isaiah, Lamentations, Micah, Zechariah. And God directs his compassion towards both the suffering, those afflicted, and those who are struggling under the weight of their sin. And it's important to notice that, that it's within the very nature of God that he is so drawn to those who cannot help themselves. So what is compassion? Well, simply put, it means, when you break down the word, the com means with and passion means suffering. Biblically applied, it is that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is with us in our suffering the Israelite people were suffering. They called out to God and he said he heard their cries and that he was moved. He came and he dwelt with them. He led them by cloud during the day and fire at night. He never left them. But to take it to an even more descriptive level, Dane Orthand in his book, Gentle and Lonely, I don't know if any of you have ever read this book, but it's amazing. 
he says this, the Greek word for compassion refers most literally to the bowels and guts of a person. It's an ancient way of referring to what rises up from one's innermost core. This compassion reflects the deepest heart of Christ. I don't know if you guys have ever felt that stirring. I know I have. When you've heard someone's story um, about their, what they're going through, their suffering, and you feel this deep rising within you that you want to help, you want to step in, you want to somehow alleviate that struggle, and that is the compassion of God rising up within you, that you want to intervene. Within that quote, Dane Orthon says, this compassion reflects the deepest heart of Christ. So I've talked about God, but as Hudson referred to in worship, you know, God is three in one. He is um, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in the Gospels, we see this compassion really brought to life through the encounters that Jesus has with the people around him. Luke 7 talks about the widow who, um, as her son's funeral, this would have left her facing poverty and outcast. She didn't even call on Jesus. He saw the issue and he walked over to her and he brought her son back to life. He was that moved by compassion. In Luke 8, it talks about the affectionately known two daughters, the woman who had been bleeding for years, who had exhausted all her earthly resources and she cried out to him. And Jesus says to her, daughter, and he heals her as he goes on to Jairus's daughter and heals her too. In Matthew, it says, when, the crowds, um, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, for they were helpless and confused like sheep without a shepherd. They were lost. They couldn't help themselves, and yet Jesus was drawn to them. Even after the murder of his cousin, where Jesus was grieving, he went away, the crowds followed, he had compassion on them. Even in the midst of his own challenge, he reached out to them. But who is it that Jesus is drawn to? And we see that who he's most moved towards in the Gospels, it says the socially rejected, the outcast, the criminal, the poor, the undeserving, those who cannot help themselves. Or to add more context to the days we live in, the suicidal, the anorexic, the drug addict, the alcoholic, the homeless, the depressed, the gambler, the refugee, the reviled, the rejected, the sinner. Jesus is so full of compassion. He is drawn to these people because they are in need, unable to help themselves. Some called on Jesus and some didn't, but he was still moved towards them. And we all need to know the wonder of God's compassion in our lives because the lives that we live aren't yet perfect and can be a struggle. So point two The compassion of God gives life and changes lives. Our Heavenly Father, he wants to be with us and he wants to help us in his compassion. It is not passive, it is not a pat on the head, it is not him saying they're there. It is him saying, I am with you. It causes him to act, it causes him to provide and to provide emotional healing too. There are stories that you hear throughout your life that always sit with you. And one of them, for me, is that years ago I heard a preacher telling a story about a woman who... um, They were having a time of worship in their church. And 
someone gave her a prophetic word, which is a word that they felt God had told them to tell to this lady. And they said the word rejection to her. And she just broke and had this memory of how when she was raised as a Catholic, and when she was eight years old, she... Um, was about to take her first Holy Communion. And for this, you were to be dressed all in white. But her family weren't very well off, so she had the white dress, but she couldn't afford the white shoes. And so she was dressed in her black school shoes. Um, She'd felt mocked, she'd felt embarrassed, she'd felt shame. And as time had gone on, she felt a sense of rejection. Anyway, during this time of worship... She, God gave her a picture in her mind's eye of Jesus standing there in his pure white robes. And then he lifts the hem of his robe to reveal he's wearing black shoes. And she just broke and cried and just God brought emotional healing to her because he was with her in her suffering. He identified with her. We do not have a God who does not understand our suffering and our challenges. We have a God who identifies with us. And he doesn't want us to feel abandoned in our suffering. But of course, the greatest act of compassion that God has ever shown is the cross. For the, in Romans, it says how when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. The work of the cross is an act of compassion. For we could not help ourselves. We were dead in our sin. We were divided from God. But yet God, for all eternity, had had this plan that he knew we would need him. And so he came from heaven to live on earth and to identify with us in our sufferings, in our weaknesses, in our afflictions, and dealt with our sins so that we may know him. But God's compassion carries on through his people today. Uh, Teresa of Avalia, I think you say it. Anyway, she lived in 1518 or so. She was um, like a nun. She said this, Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet through which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, and you are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. Jesus imitated a life that we should lead, Nowhere, sorry, our eyes should be open and our ears open to those around us, to the needs of others. In fact, Jesus is so passionate about his church representing this compassion that he has for the others that he says it is a distinguishing sign that we belong to him. In Matthew 25, Jesus says that one day the Son of Man will return in all his glory and he will divide the people to the right and to the left. And he will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. 
And then these people will say, Lord, when, when did we ever do that? When did we? And he says, the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it for the, one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. And sometimes when I'm nursing at, hosp- at the hospital, and I, I will, before I go to work every day, I'll pray, God, help me to be a blessing to the people around me. Help me to... Um, be as you would be, and help me to see you in every patient as well. Sometimes I will go up to a patient and I'll be like, right, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see this patient as you. And I'm walking away thinking, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't have just said that, God, because that can be challenging at times. But actually, when I'm, doing, when I'm loving someone in front of me, that actually I'm seeing it as, this is for you, Jesus. And every time that we make these, what could be at times sacrifices, we're doing it for him. But as I say, it's a distinguishing sign that we belong to him because in that Matthew 5 verse, it goes on to say that when he talks to the people on the left, he repeats those verses, but in this time, they they didn't do that. And that ultimately results in him saying, you won't be with me in this, um, in eternal life. And so when we get to really challenging texts like that, that great on us a bit, we have to ask the question, why? Why is it so important that Jesus is saying this? Because it clearly is of importance. And in short, the answer is that we demonstrate the love and nature of God through the way that we treat people. The Bible talks about how we are made in the image of God. And then and when it says that, the purpose of an image is to image, is to display, is to be seen. So if God has made a whole world of people and made in his image, he wants to be seen. And if we lack compassion, then we're shadowing God. We're, we're overcasting what he wants people to know of him. But the flip side is that when we display the compassion of God, it makes a significant difference to those around us. I read this study um, that said this, the University of Wisconsin Center for the Study of Pain conducted an experiment in which researchers timed how long volunteers could keep their feet in buckets of uh, freezing water. They discovered something remarkable. Whenever a companion was allowed in the room with the person whose feet were being frozen, he or she could endure the cold for twice as long as those who suffered alone. The presence of another caring person doubles the amount of pain a person can endure. The the researcher said, the same is undoubtedly true of emotional pain. We make a difference to those around us. We do. We make a difference. We allow people to carry on. Do you know what? I I encountered someone this week, a woman in her 80s who had tried to take her own life. And it was so grieving to me that that happens. And of course, I know there are stories of young people as well, but I don't meet many elderly. But actually, there is a need out there in the world for compassion to be shown. And it made me think about the quote that um, the late Archbishop Desmond Tutu had said, we need to stop just just pulling people out of the river. We need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in. But... We are a church that is a church that shows compassion. We are a people, a compassionate people, and I do very much believe that. And as much as I heard that story about the eight, I met that 80-year-old this week, I also heard another story that really 
touched me. So I don't know if you've heard of um, the befriending service that we run as a church, um, part of working with a charity called Lincoln Lives, which is about helping those who are lonely and isolated. And here are some of the feedback um, things that were said. It's like I've been given a life jacket. It's excellent. My befriender has enabled me to speak, and this service has been a backup, making sure I am safe. Another person said, one person had given up on being able to work again. The befriender invited them into Centre 41, which is um, like a drop-in centre on a Thursday morning, and who helped me to apply for some benefits which they were eligible for which also meant that they were able for a bus pass. They can now afford to get out and travel, and with the befrienders' consistent support and encouragement, have had the confidence to apply for and obtain a part-time job. This is what I'm talking about. It brings life to people when we support them and get alongside them. But lastly, this is the last one. I have just had a lovely conversation with my client and I just wanted to thank you for all the amazing support that you offer to my client and many other people in Bedford area. They actually said if it wasn't for the support of your church they wouldn't be here now and said as a result of your support they are a different person. Okay, We make a difference when we show the compassion of God when, when we show acts of kindness to those around us. So practically, how can we do this? Going back to the Matthew 25 verses, what Jesus said about when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was, none of these are big financial asks. Okay, They might require time. They might require effort. But he's not asking anything too great of anyone. So befriend someone who is lonely. We know it makes a difference. Provide regular food for a struggling family. Accompany someone to a hospital appointment, even if it just means waiting in the car while they have it. Pray with someone regularly um, for their needs. And actually offer to pray with them. I think I'm guilty of this saying, yes, I'll pray for you. Um, But, um, sorry, I suddenly feel like I'm really loud. Um, But actually, to do it then and there with someone is a good thing. Um, Join partners with the least popular person in your class. I was thinking some of the young people might be here, that's why I put that in there. Um, Show compassion consistently, Um, not just a one-off thing. For some people, they can see, you know, oh, you know, that's nice you helped me once, but actually it shows real love when we consistently support someone. I do want to acknowledge that, especially over the last few years, there has been a lot of compassion needed to be given out. Okay? So for some of you, if you're doctors, your nurses, your teachers, you, you live with someone who's not very well, you can feel this sense of compassion fatigue. It actually is a, a real thing where you end up feeling like, I've got nothing left to give. And I've been there myself. But let me encourage you to come to Jesus, for he is the source of all compassion. And when we spend time reading his word, we get more and more of the mind of Christ, and we feel more sensitive to those around us. We can be filled with his presence and his spirit helping us. So, just to conclude, 
that God is the most compassionate, and that is what he wants you to know of himself. He is a compassionate God, and he delights to show mercy and to be with us in our times of need. That it changes lives, compassion, within us through the... God has done for us, dying on the cross, that we may know him, that we may be filled with his presence, that we may know his forgiveness and him being for us. And lastly, that we as his people make a difference to those around us, that we can demonstrate the kingdom of God in the lives of other people. Even the smallest of acts, like a mustard seed, it can grow and develop and change those around us. Okay. Thank you very much. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.